Hello. Welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. We're on Mayo Media Network. Skylar Hoke coming at you here. Tom, how's it going? Oh, I'm ready for this week. I think we've been ready for this week since uh, probably about week two of the season. Uh, once I found out, I mean, I pretty much knew you were a Rio <laughs> fan anyway, but, uh, you know, once I found out it was true love, then we uh, we kind of flipped forwards this week for since then. It's, it's true. I have the best I can do. I kind of have my Tiger Woods Sunday red on here, but, you know, supporting the Italian Open for this week. I mean, this is, you know, as big as it gets. They say the Masters, you know, might be the greatest tournament in the world. Some might say the Italian Open, um, but excited really for the week. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk through uh, the Omega European uh, Masters where I felt like we were the smartest people alive through 18 holes. James I mean, Morrison opens with a 60, doesn't shoot in the 60s the rest of the week. I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I thought we were great after 18. I thought we were great after 36. We were in good position. I thought after 54, I had Sean Crocker in first. I had Shabunka Sharma we had in three shots behind. Well, he blew that after six holes, didn't they? Or four holes. So six over through four. I mean, what what do you do with that? I mean, I just, it, it was painful, but I felt like the process was correct, which I guess you trust the process. I don't know. That's what they say in sport, isn't it? <laughs> they do. Uh, and I, I feel it's almost been the last few months. We went on that heater, you know, leading up to the open championship. And then the last few weeks have not, you know, shook out the way as we'd love to have it. But I think we are throwing the correct darts at the board at the end uh, and just hoping, you know, we, we find hot. If you look into who actually plays the best of the selections last week, we might've had the sneakiest top 10 he's had with Guido Migliazzi finishing <laughs> in seventh place last week so uh heating up at the correct time yeah absolutely and uh, surely sean crock is going to win at some point i know we've been talking about this on and off today um you know i spoke about him on the podcast at length that you know i kind of fully believe he's the next guy that's going to come and do, get his win and it's it, it made me laugh when i was talking about the news yesterday earlier i saw the likes of martin keimer thomas dietrich both in the top 10 in strokes going passing last week and i saw uh, Sergio Garcia, Tony Fina, and Strokes going past in on the PGA Tour. So it happens, right? It's going to come. Um, it's just going to be down to a certain passing surface is going to suit him, um, and he's gonna, and it's going to happen. So you can't back him just whatever. You know, uh, we're, we're going to skip past all the original <laughs> things and just go straight onto him. But it, you know, I think we always say, and I, I try to say, I'm just going to look for him in another tournament. He's going to be 60, 80 to 1 in one of the season ending events and it will look great. I mean, we've got Wentworth coming up next week. I'm yep. sure it'd be a big price for that. Um, so hopefully under the radar week this week and uh, a better one for that. Yep. Uh, I completely agree. And before we fist pump our way and to start talking about uh, the Italian open, I think uh, for those that listen to our audio format, um, please feel free to subscribe on all our podcasts, platforms, daily fantasy sports, picks and bets, the mix. You can find us available on all of those and please rate review, subscribe as Pat would say, smash that like button for us. It goes a really long way to continue, excuse me, the support of our show here. So we are turning up to the Ryder Cup venue for 2023, Marco Simone Golf Club. So for the next time we probably see this course, Axis and myself will be there. Tom, you're more than welcome to join us. We are booking our trips to the next Ryder Cup after Whistling Straits um, to enjoy this course. But it's the first time we have seen it since 1994, and there has been a heavy redesign of the course. It's going to be par 71, just about 7,300 yards for the week. Um, first looks at it, it seems that it's not 
as traditional of an Italian venue as what we've seen. A lot of those have been tree-lined, kind of tight. This one looks like it can be a little bit more open, potentially driver can be in play, but there is water running kind of wild, I think, on the course. Some fescue that could uh, get in the mix if you're real errant off the tee. What are your first looks at the course? I mean, it's strange because, you know, it, it's, it's tough when you've got a brand new course. I mean, 1994, we had Eduardo Romero won, um, and, you know, he's a two-times Crown Sierra winner. Uh, all the guys that he beat were Crowns winners and everything links to Crowns, right? And when you read about the course, there's a bit of ventilation in there. Uh, there are trees present, despite the fact they've been a little bit more open than last week. Um, and there's water in place, so it's tricky. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a fairly similar leaderboard to last week, um, you know, I think this event generally rewards people that are in good current form anyway. Um, and it's not a huge trip, you know, it's a, a very short flight over there from, from Switzerland. And I think it's generally on the same sort of style of, of events and, and kind of part of the world. So um, it, it's going to be hard. It's, you know, anything at the moment is guesswork, but I think, like I said to you earlier, you kind of just trust your numbers, trust the guys that you, you know, you like. Um, and I think it's really, really good to just look at event form. I think the Italian Open, despite constantly moving around, it's always in repeat sort of performers. We've had Ian Poulter's won it twice on two different courses. Henny Otto's won it twice on two different courses. Fernandez Castaño, exactly the same as well. So they repeat performances no matter what course it's on. Um, and, and that's a really good sign. I think that, I think you've got that to kind of look into. Uh, the designer is Tom Fazio's son, I believe, and he uh, remodeled the 2019 course, uh, Olviata there. So, you know, there, there could be similarities to that week as well. He looked at Bernd Wiesberg and Pete Matthew Fitzpatrick that year. So both kind of favorites this week and you'd kind of expect them to say this for leaderboard as well. Yeah, I'm still pretty tilted at the 2020 uh, Italian Open where I felt like the world kind of had bets on Laurie Cantor. He was very popular that week. And that electric pole that ran across the fairway that he ricocheted a ball off of into the water and ended up losing by a stroke to Ross McGowan. You know, it's still, I don't get over that one uh, that easily. So hopefully we get the correct bounce off of a wire um, in the near future. But you're exactly right with the top of the leaderboard. We have Matthew Fitzpatrick um, up there, 14 to 1. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is coming over, playing a European event to tune up before Wentworth next week. And then Bern Wiesberger are the top three, all under 20 to 1. Um, again, you know how we kind of set up our model. I'm going to still be in the mid. I still consider a little bit low range if you're betting in the 20s, 30s, 40. But for me, um, easily going to pass on these guys up here. I found Fleetwood pretty easy to oppose. I think when I, I was really on board with him in Scotland, uh, based on his record there, and he let it down quite, you know, not dramatically, but it was disappointing. Fitzpatrick's got his merits, but I think he's... He was playing really, really well in America, and I think it's all geared towards what he was doing over there, and I think he's probably burnt out a little bit. Um, no doubt he'll come back towards the end and, and play well at DP World Tour and things like that, but I think he may just need a little bit of a break. Um, Beesberger again, like last week, I think he's very, very hard to pass up because he didn't, you know, that bunker shot, I think he caught a pebble or something, that, because that didn't, that wouldn't have come out like that. You don't, you don't have fat shots at his level. Um, and you know, once that's happened and you know, you're losing a Ryder cup spot and you know, you're losing a ninth European or title fifth in three years, it gets harder to play that chip shot. And that's kind of the first time he's let himself down all week. So I tend to tend to think that he'll just come back and, and contend, um, you know, Callum Hill 
come back from disappointment. Rasmus Hogar come back to disappointment to win the next week. So everything kind of points towards him having a good week. But with all that said, again, I'm going to leave him out like I did last week. Yep. Numbers game. And yeah, that Ryder Cup spot could have looked very different this morning had Burn just made, you know, a par on that last hole, gifted that victory uh, kind of away. I mean, before we really dive into the odds board beyond that, I mean, we know we're going back to our guy, Guido. If you look at the numbers, if you think about kind of the way he's been playing off the tee, phenomenal. You know, he continues. He led the uh, field. Uh, he was third, or I guess first on Saturday overall, extremely well off the tee. Sunday, he closes with a 65. Approach numbers were kind of iffy. I guess not kind of pretty stinky if you looked at Friday and Saturday. Sunday, his best of the week, but that boy can chip now. It's unbelievable. Every single round last week, he gained a stroke on the field in all four rounds. Like that is just not. Probably not sustainable. We'll be honest with you. You know, we know around the green game play um, is not something that is going to be very consistent week to week, but it has been an elevation of his game as we've talked about all season long. And I mean, he had the opportunity to go play the corn Ferry tour finals. And I thought about this a little bit more. I thought in the past, the schedule was aligned where the, the KFT final event was the week before the Italian open, but he's clearly making the decision to show up and play here versus try to get a tour card like his his uh rye herbert and schwab all did hopefully bob mack can do it this week too um but that's a big decision to make and i think it is because this event right here is so important to him and 28 to 1 you know i'm going in there was no questions about it they kind of gave us a decent number um guido's just been playing exceptional and uh, i'm just gonna go right back to the wall i mean we joked that you were gonna play him he was nine to two or three to one or whatever but you know it I think there's two sides to that. I think one, I think there's a massive belief in his own ability that he can just go and get his PJ tour card again next year. Um, I think he's looked at Bob McIntyre, who's had a really, really tough spell uh, trying to get that tour card, which you can't blame him for at all. Um, you know, that is the best thing to go and do. You want to get your PJ tour card, but that has probably cost him a Ryder Cup spot, unless he can play well at Wentworth next week. I think it's will bust. Um and I think Guido is very much, you know, it's weird because Italians haven't had the best success in this event. I think you look back, there, there's a lot of guys that really do struggle to do it on the home stage. Francesco Molinari aside, who's played it very, very well for basically his whole life. Um, but I think Guido's of that model that can come out and just put on a show. I think that he's very well-rounded. He's done it at every single event. Like you say, he's gaining strokes around the green. Uh, I said that Patrick Cantley wouldn't be able to keep up his putting on Thursday and, <laughs> and he managed to gain nearly 15 strokes. So, you know, I think Guido can probably gain 25 strokes around the <laughs> greens and we, we all just live happily ever after. Um, but yeah, no, look, Guido is, we say every week, you know, you put him up, I don't put him up, but I tell you, I can't agree. I can't disagree with you. And uh, we move on because I think that he is, he's exceptional right now. He deserves this part of, uh, of the odds board. Um, he's around the same sort of price of Henry Stenson, who's massively improving. Um, Matt Wallace, who I think is declining, but maybe has something up his sleeves to kind of come back at some point. Um, and, and another couple of guys, uh, you know, good odds at sort of like first reason bigger. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we knew we were going for it no matter what the number was, but yes, exactly right. I think there are compelling points for him to light it up this week in Rome. Um, 33 to one, I think is a conundrum here for the next conversation. You mentioned Sean Crocker off the top from the bottom of my heart. I'm rooting for Sean Crocker. 
no matter if I have a ticket on him or not, I do really want to see him get over the line. I think he's a great kid. He's, you know, been pretty hard on himself. I feel like a couple of times when he's, you know, kind of blown it in contention, but the last couple of weeks, the Sundays have been, you know, improving in the sense, I mean, 54 hole leader, uh, you know, last week where he definitely had the opportunity to really take it the week before he, he made a run, um, but ultimately didn't get there, but his ball striking numbers are out of this world, you know, two weeks in a row it's, it's gaining three strokes per round, you know, and I bring back to that comment that McIntyre posted on Instagram said, who's the best ball strike on the European tour. It's without a doubt, Sean Crocker, you just need some sort of short game to pair it with. And when, when you're at this number and where I'm ultimately going to lean with my next two selections, I just have to, in this field, rely on somebody who, who has, that ability on Sunday, I think, to, to really do it. I, I Like I said, it's going to happen for certain golfers. We've seen it with Finau. We've seen it with Veerman. We've seen it with some of these other golfers. Um, but when last week's winner is the same exact odds, who's now crossed, you know, three victories, you know, off for him in a short European tour stint, and he is just as good off the tee. And if I'm going to play that game this week, I mean, Rasmus gained 2.88 strokes ball striking last week. He was pretty decent at the Kazoo Classic where he finished third too. I have to go back to Rasmus, in my opinion. He has struck, uh, put together just consecutive events. I mean, if you remember that hot run he had um, in the middle of last summer leading into some of the majors, we've seen him multiple times string really good events in a row. I mean, if you look at it, he went ninth, sixth. He So two top tens, he went second, sixth, third, first at one point, um, you know, fourth, seventh, a couple weeks later, that victory did come um, when we looked kind of at his challenge tour to the European tour he's just got the ability to stay hot. So I think looking at what I want to attack at the course off the tee, the number and how he puts things together, I'm perfectly fine going back to him relative to where Crocker's price. So, so 33 to 33 to one for Rasmus going on my card. Yeah. And I think a couple of points. So I think he's, he's very sure on Crocker. I don't think that he does an awful lot wrong. I just think that at the end of the day, the thing that's going to come in under the biggest scrutiny on a Sunday is your putting. That's already his weakness, and he's trying to do that uh, and deny him, you know, to get himself a first win. And that, that's just always going to be tough, right? I think he had a lot of putts that were unlucky. I don't think they were all bad. I think that it's just that when you need the luck, you know, the putts to drop and the luck on your side, and you're not a great putter, that's a pretty bad combination. So I think at some point it will just fall for him. Uh, back onto Rasmus Hogard. Uh, when you look at how he's performed immediately after wins, it's not great. But then when you go from the Mauritius opening one and then miss the cut of South African Open, well, South Africa is a difficult place to play, especially if you haven't seen it before. There's a lot of variations, different grass. Off that. UK Championship, he then finished 31st at Valderrama, which in isolation doesn't look a great result. But I think Valderrama, again, is another tough place to play. Um, and now he's going to get a chance to go from... The European Masters in in Switzerland to the Italian Open, which I don't think will be a bad uh, spot for him. So I think this is the best time for him to do it. And I think also that Wentworth could be a good spot for him. And I think that whether anybody else, I kind of posed a question earlier on Switzerland, whether anyone else believes he can get into the Ryder Cup, I don't know. But he's going to have people like Thomas Bjorn, uh, Soren Kjeldsen, just talking in his ear and trying to give him a bit of encouragement to, to go for that for the next couple of weeks. And I think if he was to pick up a win over the next two weeks, which... Uh, as you can tell, you're, you're into these chances. He's got to be a serious consideration for Podrick Harrington. 
Yeah, he'd be fun at Whistling Straits with that driver he has. Um, and that week at Valderrama, you did trigger something in my head there. I think he had just one bad round. I believe he was almost the first round leader um, that week. I think he, yeah, he opened with 71, so he was two back of the first round leader, who was Guido Migliazzi that week. So, um, but uh, continuing down, there's a lot of conversation, I think, of a golfer who ran extremely hot on Sunday and another one who has shown the ability to win ripping our hearts out earlier this year, um, beating Guido with a 60-foot bomb on, on 18. But Antoine Rosner, I just don't think is priced correctly relative to that sense. 40-1 to 1 seems kind of a steal for what he is and what he kind of showed on Sunday, hopefully leading into another event. So I'm definitely intrigued on him. What are your thoughts on Rosner? Yeah, I said to Jason, I said that for me, you know, I think there's always a fear when someone shoots a 62 or a 63 on Sunday, like both those guys did. Um, there's a fear that you're just picking them because of that. And, and they vaulted up the leaderboard and it's a, uh, what's the word? You know, so it's not a proper finish. It was kind of inflated, if you like. But to me, it's a superficial result is what I was looking for. But to me, when you look at the numbers, he only really had 15 birdies a week and that, sounds like a lot but to someone like Rosner who's a guy that bunches birdies back and back and back together I think he's actually was just a touch rusty over the first couple of days he came out a little bit slow um he's had a lot of traveling he's been to the PGA Tour he's been to the Olympics he's he's sort of mixed it up and I think he just sort of grew into the week and finally found something his ball striking sort of confirms that and now he's kind of back to where he needs to be to uh to succeed and I can't. I, I just cannot find a negative to Anton Rosner. I don't think when you look at. I mean, I liked Callum Hill, but I thought he was too short in price. Anton Rosner's here at forty to one, similar sort of uh, ability level. Both got winning profiles now. Um, yeah, I think that Anton Rosner's a great price at forty to one. Yeah, that's ultimately again. I, I really don't normally stack my card in the sense with three bets forty to one or lower. Um, and normally I'm probably win only in that scenario, perhaps catching each way um, with Rosner. Um, if we can get forties with, you know, a, a good plus or top five, but yeah, I think it's just the way I've structured my card a little bit. I feel comfortable with these guys in the mid range. Ultimately, there's only one name that sticks out to me. However, this is where you're loading up. So I'll give you the opportunity to kind of, you know, run through some of these guys in this mid range that you're attacking for the week. Yeah. So for me, um, the, the kind of first name I really thought of and looking at the European source Sunday um, and something that I mentioned to you yesterday was John Catlin. Um, I, I was just really surprised that he uh, lost four strokes putting on Sunday. You know, that, that's just abnormal for someone like John Catlin. Um, his ball striking is very, very good. I think he was fourth in strokes gain approach. He was first in greens regulation, first in uh, third in greens regulation, first in driving accuracy. And I think that's a really good combination for here. We don't know exactly how it's going to play. And, and if it is a little bit of a bomber's paradise, that doesn't necessarily suit him. But I think when you look at the variations of leaderboards at the Italian Opens, I think he can uh, have a good result. And, and again, I just think we say this quite a lot. I think he's been priced wrong. I don't think he's treated as someone that has won two or three times in quick succession um, and is someone that's still playing well and just have one bad round that's kind of cost him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a, a really big fan of John Catlin um, and what he's done on, you know, it's almost a disappointment that he didn't kind of reach a win over the last since his last one you know he felt like he was right in the mix a couple of times when we have been on him um but yeah i think a very fair number in the scenario yeah and the other guy I, i'm still not entirely sure we're going to go with him he's someone that 
I always look at as a little bit undervalued because of his popularity. Um, and I think he's a little bit unpredictable. But Andrew Johnston is uh, is a player that's his form's actually been slightly better than it's probably been given credit for over the last couple of months. Um, he's played well in the Italian Open in the past. I think he was fourth here, you know, fourth at this event in 2019, which, which is, as we mentioned earlier, possibly a, a course correlation there. Um, I think he was great off the tee last week. I think he actually ranked first in strokes going off the tee, uh, or, or up, certainly up there. Um, and that's a really important factor here, if we're to be believed. So it's someone, again, I don't love the price, but I think he's certainly a good DraftKings player and someone that I would consider betting if, if the price got a little bit bigger. Yeah, it's Beef's an interesting one to peg. You know, he's um, somebody who you've seen really good off the tee numbers, actually, kind of recently, which which I thought was pretty intriguing too. So the one that I thought was mispriced, uh, you know, winner of the Scottish Open leading into the Open Championship, probably somebody who is going to be a decent popular bet, it seems like, this week. But Minwoo Lee kind of in this range to me feels – you know, I, mean, I guess not even in this range, he opened at 80 to one, you know, that's just ultimately for, for the game he has. And I wouldn't say he kind of showed up out of nowhere at the Scottish, but his lead in was 17th, 42nd miscut. Um, you know, prior to that, he wasn't all that sensational either. Um, but last week was a little bit in that sneaky sense too, where we'll talk about another golfer. If you throw one of their rounds out, you know, they're right there in the thick of things. Um, I always think that's an interesting kind of analysis to do is who we've, we talked about this multiple times, but you know, who would have been there, say their worst round was even par or, you know, how, who would have that benefited if, you know, they didn't decide to shoot a 78, one of the days, you know, I know that's nothing you can't just simply throw away. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. But, you know, Min Wu uh, ended up finishing T21 with a 74 on Saturday. So, you know, that really is an underlying, you know, kind of negative to what that finish could have been. He could have easily been in the places and saw this number be in the forties. So I'm happy to go back to Minwoo Lee um, at this number. I think seventies is more than fair. I'm seeing that too. Um, but that number is quickly depreciating. I would be remiss if we didn't discuss another golfer um, who seems to be getting some steam too. Do you have any thoughts on Frankie Molinar? I do, and, and I think that his, his approach numbers were great last week, and that's, uh, you know, really, really important. Um, I think he was 31st, was he, last week, which is fine. Um, you know, he's working his way back. You know, early start of the 2021, he was in great form on the PGA Tour, and it looked like he'd kind of settled after a big move over to California, and I just just wonder, you know, there's going to be two ways it's going to happen for Francesco Molinari. Is we're going to get to the end of the week, and he's going to win, and everyone's going to go, how on earth was Francesco Nanari, uh, you know, former major champion, 50 to 1 in his home open that he's won twice before and always finishes really, really well. Or you're going to get that he should have been 80 to 1 because he's playing out of form. And you just don't know, I, th- I think, is the easiest thing to say with him. I think that I don't know, you don't want to second guess people, but he's probably been away from Italy for a long time probably has a lot of obligations, a lot of catching up to do with people. Maybe that's a bit distracting. Maybe he's just going to enjoy being home and then go over to Wentworth and maybe perform a little bit better there. So tough, really, really tough to get a handle on. I think that if it had been a course that he'd played anywhere before, um, I'd probably be a little bit more intrigued by him. But I think because it's new to him as well as it is everybody else, and he's gone from kind of 50s down to the 35 number straight away, um, I thought 50 was big enough, but I think the, the kind of 35 to 1 is 
is probably about right and enough to leave it on. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I, I'm with you there. I think Wentworth could be intriguing too next week. I think that that more style of course, obviously he's, he's been successful there too. So um, hopefully he can be under the radar in a sense and see a similar number. Um, for me, where I dip into the the triple digits now for the next one, um, I'll start. I'm not I'm not betting, but if we think about the Italian Open, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about also you know Guido's roommate Renato Peratore, who also had a, a very strong top ten finish last week. Um, Peratore, where I jump off him is those off the tee numbers uh, are are really bad. You know, last week, if you look at that, he's losing multiple strokes per round in some scenarios, making it up with the irons, which is, you know, encouraging. But if it's going to be something where we think off the tee needs to be in line to succeed, Renato gets left off of my card. But we do see another golfer who, like Minwoo Lee, had one poor round last week, but has some encouraging correlation finishes, also was in the mix last time uh, at the Italian Open. Uh, talk us through the process for why both of us are on uh, Nicolas Colzarts for the week. Yeah, I mean, look, he's uh, back-to-back tied 18 finishes, which, again, in isolation to itself, doesn't seem great. And, you know, it's not massive. The Colzarts is used to winning tournaments, winning the Ryder Cup, et cetera, et cetera. But... He loves the Italian Open. Like he was second here behind Ross McGowan last year. Um, you know, I think he's had three top fives before that. Um, and he just likes this part of the world. His, his approach numbers have been a lot better. Um, we don't entirely know, you know, how the course is going to fit. And with, with Mimou Lee, I imagine you're probably thinking that if it does, you know, suit the Bombers and it does allow to uh, open up and drive and that's going to suit him and, Again, people will think that about cold starts, but I just like the fact that no matter where the course is that he's played, he's generally played the event well. Um, and I think that, you know, as I spoke about at the top, when you don't know too much about the course and what the prospects of it being, I think it's just very important to look at Italian open form and cold has got it. He's played very, very well in this part of the world. Um, you know, he grew up down the road and, you know, relatively speaking. So for me, yeah, I just really like his, his profile and, and how he does in this event. He did similar too um, at the Kazoo Open, where one poor round was kind of what held him back, shooting a 73 on Friday, which there was only three rounds of guys who were in the top 20, only three rounds of 73 or worse. So again, held back by by one hole or one round. So I guess in the past instance, I think it was one hole last week where he had a quadruple bogey on Friday. Um, so so um, yeah, I'm definitely in on Cole's arts with you um, there. Now for me, we're going to go into some, some deep, you know, 1500 to one shots here shortly, you know, I'm back to the well. So, you know, you have a, a little bit of a list um, of other names that stuck out to you down here. So can you go through the remaining guys that you're kind of intrigued by? Yeah. I mean, the guy that, you know, you, you took up an awful lot and someone I thought you were going to pick really was Daniel Van Tonda. Um, you know, his approach play was good last week. Uh, he generally is pretty good off the tee. That's his, as an asset of his. I personally left him out because I think there may be a bit more in terms of accuracy than something that he's used to. I think he's better when he can just open the shoulders and go for it. Um, but he has proven to, to us that he can do it in, in several different spots. You know, done it last week, and and that's a good pointer to this. So I thought that the, the 110 to 1 or, or around about that price was pretty big for a player of his, uh, his skill set. And again, like Paratore as well, if they have a bad week the week before or miss out and fall down leaderboard, they tend to bounce back like Hill and Hogarth did. So that's good for, for Paratore if you want to look at him. Um, Nacho Elvira was a guy that I think is not getting 
an awful lot of love for his uh, you know, recent win. He's played pretty well since then. His approach play has been fine. Uh, he's had a third place finish in this in 2016. And again, not someone I've got a huge amount of confidence in. I actually prefer Colsarts as a, as a bet, as a, as a selection in everything, every way possible. But I just think that Elvira has been slightly overlooked. You know, it's, was it four starts ago that he won won that event in Wales? And okay, it took him extra holes and, the, and he wasn't entirely convinced him, but this is the European Tour. Not many people are uh, on Sundays at the moment. So uh, yeah, I thought there was plenty enough in that price. And again, probably a good DraftKings play. And, and the final guy for me was uh, Oliver Wilson. He's coming into a part of the schedule now, and I've actually put him in my ones to watch the newsletter because he's had, a, I think, a 35th and a 21st, so he's, he's gone close in recent weeks. He improved pretty much from the off last week. Uh, his approach play is good uh, at the moment, and he's now coming to an event. He's finished second in the Italian Open. He's finished second at Wentworth, and he's also won the Dunhill Links. It's the only event he's ever won on the European Tour. So he's coming into a really important part of the year for him, um, he's very, very inconsistent. His off-the-tee game is dreadful at times. You know, he's been, uh, did an interview with him before and he basically had the driving yips. There was no two ways about it. Um, but yeah, I think he's a guy that really does think about past success at golf courses, past success in areas and, and focus on that. And his wins have come in August and October, getting to that part of the year where he feels comfortable. If there's anything in those biorhythms that sort of suggests that he can play well, then I thought he was a really, really big price. I think he's at least a good DraftKings play. Um, I don't quite know what price he is, but I imagine he's in the low sixes there somewhere. So I think he's worth looking at. Yeah. Um, if you look, DraftKings actually just dropped uh, their contest. So we actually have a $12 um, entry fee with 5000 to first, which is exciting. Um, hopefully we can kind of pump that up and fill it quickly so we can see a big one for Wentworth um, next week. So if you look, uh, Oliver Wilson is $6,400. So quite a value there. Nikolai Kolsarts is actually only $6,800. So I think that is a steal um, as well. So we'll play our in or out game. Time now that they drop the salaries and time before I kind of get into the super punts, but um, we'll start. So again, only the six K's here. How about Francesco's brother, Eduardo Molinari, 6,900? No. Okay. Um, Wilco Nienaber, 6,800. No. Luke Donald, 6,800. You couldn't pick more opposite golfers. I'd like to see it now. Tapio Pokemon, $6,800. Yes. Okay. Man, there's been some guys that have really fallen from high prices. Let's see. Garrick Porteous, $6,700. Would you go back? I don't want to mention that name anymore. That's fair. Um, let's see here. Nino Bertazio, $6,700. Yeah, why not? I said too many names. <laughs> um, let's keep going. It's a little bit thinner than I imagined down here. Um, Sebastian Soderberg, $6,600. Yeah, yes. He was okay last week. Came out kind of hot. Alfaro Kiros, $6,500. No. Okay. How about how how cheap is Sammy Valamaki? $6,400 this week. This is the guy that I thought you were going to bring up. And I'm going to say yes. I think at some point he's going to 
bounce back and do it. He's he's hit the ball well at times, and uh, yeah, sixty four hundred is frightening. We're getting to those odds in which he won the Omen Open. You know, yeah, I wouldn't have ever guessed yeah. we saw two seventy five to one again on him. And is that because he's actually just not very good, or is that just because he's going for a rough patch? It's really hard to know. But because he came out and he and he did it so quick and and it was really really impressive and he looked at prior success because he had such a short professional career and he won very early and then he done it again. You kind of thought that's it. He's here to stay. And there was this finish flash and he was going to be out of there. And and it's really tough to know, isn't it? It's really really tough to know. And, and I'm hoping that he does bring it back. And we've seen a lot of guys just fall down to these part of you know of the pricing and. Yeah, I think what this says here is that you probably need to focus at the higher end of the drafting salaries this week because there's not a lot down there. I mean, David Law was someone I was picking for an awful lot of time. Schwan Kim is someone we've been really happy on, Um, you know, 6,800 there. Ross McGowan, I mean, he was 500 to one last week and and nearly won the whole thing. So he's 6,600 and a defending champion. So David Horsey's had some really good, really good course uh, results in course results event results in the Italian Open. So, yeah, I think that there's plenty to like in there. It's just got to be very selective. Yeah, there's two more um, that I talk about at $6,400. I haven't seen this golfer in what feels like forever, but he used to have lights out irons and one of Ryan Barroff's favorite golfers out here, Joel Schlohom. There's no way. Is that how I pronounce it? Schlohom? I think it's Schlohom, but I don't know. I like Schlohom a little bit more. So I think he dresses like a shlom for sure. Absolutely. Takes that little boat to the Island too. Um, when he kind he of hit that ball over there. And then the other one that I'm very intrigued on, uh, Adrian Sadier at 6,400. He had an exceptional week to green last week. Um, especially those final 54 holes. Yeah, he was absolutely superb. Um, really, really just struck it great. I think his approach was a plus 8.449 just behind Sean Crocker there. Um, and then Teeter Green overall, he was nearly 12 strokes. So that can't be ignored. I mean, he's a guy that I think he can get hot and stay hot for a little while. Um, don't think there's much winning upside, but I think he's someone that we can pencil in and try and if you want to do a stars and scrubs, he's a good guy to, to pencil in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay. We've reached the Italian amateur section of our show here. So I'm going to talk through three golfers for us. One, I was searching through events that have ever happened at this golf course. Happened to come across a November juniors event where Filippo Celli happened to be our victor at this event. Um, You spell that last name C-E-L-L-I. I think I pronounced that correct. Um, I think but, that was fun. I thought you were Italian. You know, you kind of tell a little bit here. But um, so if you kind of look, he's got a decent. So a lot of these guys, you know, they are either making their their professional kind of jump in there or they're getting receiving a national spot as they go. So uh, Chelly, he is finished second at the Italian Am stroke play not that long ago. Did play in the challenge tour. Um, where this is the Italian challenge, uh, I think three weeks ago, end of July, um, and played there. Has an, had an okay college year, nothing great. So he would be the lowest kind of on, on the totem pole. But again, you're going to get these guys at the bare minimum. It should be, let's make sure, $6,100. So 
the, he's one that I would jump off the top, but the, the two that I'm definitely going to be searching out for top 20 bets this week. I mean, 1500 to one, I'm definitely gonna have a shekel or two. I, I, I have so much in the bank to be able to play with, with these guys. Like I mentioned, we've, we've 1500, I think I've gotten five wrong this year. So 1495 to go, Tom, you have a long time to deal with me on these long shots. So we're still, we're still I'm okay. Excited. We're gonna- I mean, it's been, <laughs> it's been at least two or three weeks since we've had this kind of slot here. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So we go into, uh, oh, let's see, Gregorio de Leo. Wow. I didn't even realize that right. Gregorio de Leo. Um, so he comes off a second place finish last week at the, uh, Gazer open, which is on the Alps tour. He also did play the Italian challenge, made the cut there, but his claim to fame, I'd say is this year, he has won the Italian international amateur early on in March. And then at the, uh, Italian amateur match play. So the way they do it kind of similar to, um, the, U.S. match play or USAM where they go into and they play 36 holes of stroke play and then they go into their match play. So he ended up finishing getting knocked out in the elite eight there. However, he was winning the stroke play again, 36 holes. He was winning by nine strokes through 36 holes. So this kid just put a shellacking on the rest of the field. Unfortunately, didn't get through the match play, but 1500 to one we see for him. And then also Let's see, DeLeo, the price has just dropped, 6,100 again. So we, we can play him. Now, my favorite fancy of them all, Giovanni Menzoni. All-time name. Say that one more time. Giovanni Manzoni. That That's as good as it gets, Tom. That, that's a soccer player right there. <laughs> you know, that is, you know, they've just won the European Championships, uh, much at the England suspense, uh, expense. But, uh, yeah, that is a... Definitely a footballer. I wouldn't be surprised if he did play football for at least 10 years of his life. So what we've seen out of our man, Manzoni, the last couple of weeks, second place as well in the, uh, there was a Swiss golf am um, event I think last week that he played in second there the week before this is, I think, you know, I guess he played the, the Italian am stroke play where he finished eighth there as well. Um, but on the Italian challenge tour. So again, he's making, leaps playing as an amateur finished inside the top 10 on the challenge door. Very impressive. Also the only other OWGR event that he did play um, this in 2021, he finished second at the Alps tour. So again, two for two on top tens for Manzoni this year on the OWGR sanctioned events. And I always feel there's just some type of player in these home opens that makes a run at it. I always think of, um, it would have been the Spanish open, Samuel Delval um, almost gave John Rahm a run for his money um, that week. We also saw the Italian open two years ago where I guess relatively unknown at the time, but Francesco Laporta ended up with a very strong finish too while he wasn't on the, the European tour just yet. So two names, you know, kind of popped up like that. So I think running through, it's always worth, especially on DraftKings, where you can play them at the minimum and we can kind of stack that top where we really like those Manzoni's $6,000 this week. So I'm going to be differentiating my lineups that way, trying to take down 5K on DraftKings. But um, that kind of puts a bow on my kind of week. So I think, Tom, if we run through your card from the top. Uh, yeah, so it's John Catlin for me. I think he's there about 60 to 1. Um, Andrew Johnson, I'm going to look at a little bit more. Same with Daniel Van Tonder at kind of uh, 66 and 110 to 1, respectively. There, Nacho Elvira, 100 to 1. I think he's been overlooked. Uh, Nicholas Colsart, not sure on the price that you had over there in the end, but I think it's probably about 150 to 1. He was here earlier 
And Oliver Wilson was 300 to 1. I just think him for a for maybe a top 20 and certainly in DraftKings, he's worth a league. Yep, absolutely. Guido Migliazzi, 28 to 1 for me, starting off. Push the chips in there, of course. <laughs> Rasmus Hoygaard, you can find him 33s. Um, I think that's a very good. I would even be happy with him 28 still. Antoine Rosner, 35 to 40 to 1. I'm, I'm cool with that uh, number down there if he gets a little bit of steam. Your point with Colzarts, I think, is very fair. Um, the price has gone down across across the board. I still found a 150 just before we got on the show here. So he opened 170 stateside, but 150, 125s, I think, is incredibly fair for a selection we have as consensus. And then our two Italian ands, Giovanni Manzoni and Gregorio De Leo. We have them both at 1,500 to 1. Sounds like a reverse exacta for me this week to buy a yacht. So looking forward to getting some T20 numbers on both of those guys. Let's have an Italian open time. I'm excited I, I, for the week. I feel like if they win, even or even just coming to top five, you're going to have to open up an Italian restaurant uh, over there in Florida and just name yes. them after them. It's going to have to happen. And then just get Dave Portnoy to uh, go and review the pizza oh. and game on. It's hey, that's that's the the roadmap for us. T-shirts is ready. I'm ready to take over the world. Yes, hey, amen. You can you can come. I mean, if we just get Guido, if we get one of these Italian boys to win this week, I mean, this will go. I still think Guido's got Ryder Cup in him. He wins here. He gets in contention for Wentworth. But that last spot could be wide open. I really I, think so. I I, I think the problem is is I kind of think that either Patrick Harrison wants Reesberger or Perez to just take their last automatic spot so we can pick Lowry. Yep. And it's Lowry, Poulter, and Garcia. Yep. Or he just wants Justin Rose to just make it really Do easy something. for him and go and win Wentworth. Yep. And then that he just picks those three guys. Because I think if he's left with picking between Wiesberg, Hoygaard, uh, McIntyre, Guido, and anybody he picks from that range that doesn't perform is just going to get hounded for not picking someone else. Whereas I think that someone like Justin Rose, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, Henry sure. Stenson's flying back up there as well now. So just yeah. that's the mix. Alex Noren, you know, <laughs> missed out heartbreaking last week. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, really tough spot. I think it's open to anyone. So I think that, and the fact that they're two big events, you know, it's the Italian Open and the BMW PGA Championship. And we saw in 2010, Eduardo Molinari won events very close to the Europe, you know, back, not back to back, but two events near the time. Um, things can change, you know. Rasmus Hoygaard could get himself on that team with a win this week, I think. So, uh, maybe a bit early at 20 years old, but uh, certainly exciting. Yep, absolutely. And we also have the Solheim Cup this week, which I'm excited for over here in Toledo. So, root on the ladies. Um, so I'm excited to watch that this week as well. But that'll put a bow on our show for the week. Good luck, everybody, and enjoy the Italian Open. <laughs>